There are three beliefs when it comes to the timing of the rapture of the church. Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. Which one is accurate according to the Bible? We'll look at scriptures today to help us understand this controversial topic on this edition of End of the Age. Hello and welcome once again to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell and as you can see again I am alone today doing the program by myself. Vince is actually feeling better and he's on the mend so thank you for your prayers but we need to continue to pray for him and actually pray for Vince's entire family. His his whole family has gone through this uh, illness that uh, they're dealing with and it's just like a, a really bad cold is basically all it is but on top of that, you know, he's he's got his two small children and his wife are dealing with the same thing. So just please continue to uh, keep Vince in your prayers. And also Dave and Jana are away on a much needed vacation. So that's why you haven't seen Dave this week. Dave is doing well. Uh, as I said yesterday, while Dave was uh, in Wisconsin, he had actually met with some people and baptized them uh, there while he's been on his vacation. So he continues to do the Lord's work even when he's away from the ministry and, and on a, a nice trip to kind of unwind a little bit. So just keep Dave in your prayers because he needed this rest as well. He's got a lot on his plate. He's been doing a lot. He was on the Jim Baker show uh, last week and that aired this past week. It was a great um, interview with Jim Baker there. So we're excited about that for Dave. And then also Dave's working on some other projects here. I know that many of you know about uh, our 1 through 14 understanding the end time and we are updating those. So we're bringing those uh, to a brand new perspective taught by Dave. And we're going to do it kind of like we've been doing this series this week where we're going to continue to use Pastor Baxter in some of those uh, videos where he actually tells how God gave him uh, the word or the prophecy uh, and how he came to understand that. So it's going to be a neat project. Dave's working on that. I think we're up to maybe less than five right now. And so hopefully by the beginning of the year next year, we'll be able to release those brand new one through 14. So like I said, Dave is is on a much needed break. So uh, just wanted to also uh, just let you guys know, you know, we're coming up on the one year um, anniversary of Irvin Baxter's passing. And so this has kind of made this week special to me, being able to uh, delve into these DVDs and be able to share this information with you. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and um, I'm happy to be able to share this with all of you. There's so much more to it, though, that you're not getting to see. So if you're interested in seeing more of these DVDs, then uh, you can own the DVD yourself. You can purchase them from our website. That's endtime.com. Or you can call 1-800-END-TIME or 1-800-363-8463 and you can order that uh, for yourself. You can also see it on End of the Age Plus if you 
are a member and into the age plus, it is there for you to also enjoy these DVDs in their full length and not just chopped up like we're having to do them here because of time restraints. So anyway, thank you for joining me again today. And we are getting ready now to go to our first clip. In over 55 years of studying prophecy, the number one question I have been asked is, when will the rapture happen? The issue of when the rapture will occur is not a salvation issue. Any of us could be called home to be with the Lord at any time. The important thing is to be ready. Jesus said, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Then why should we discuss the subject at all? There are two reasons the pre post-tribulation issue needs to be understood. One, the proper understanding will determine what we do in the end times just ahead. Should we be expecting to simply disappear at any moment? Or should we be preparing for the greatest revival the world has ever known? Two, some are so adamantly pre-trib that should the mark of the beast be imposed upon the world, they would take it. They would reason that this cannot be the actual mark since we will not be here when the real mark of the beast is implemented. Being that strongly pre-trib would result in individuals taking the mark of the beast inadvertently. At that point, the proper understanding of scripture would become a salvation issue. Okay, so like Pastor Baxter said, and like I said at the beginning, this is a controversial issue. We know there's a lot of people who contend that the tribulation uh, or that the rapture happens pre-tribulation. We hold a post-tribulation belief here, and we're going to kind of go through the Bible today and talk about that. But the one thing you need to remember is we're not trying to cause contention between anybody. We're not trying to argue between anyone. We just want you to be ready because the Lord could come for any of us at any time. It took us all by surprise that Pastor Baxter has gone on to be with the Lord. We never thought that that would happen. We thought he would be here with us until Jesus returned. But it was his time uh, to go and be with the Lord. He had done his work here on the earth and the Lord called him home. And so none of us have a, um, a promise of tomorrow. Scripture tells us that. Second Peter verse one, or chapter 1 verse 10 tells us this though. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. So we want to make sure that we do that. We want to make sure our election is sure. We want to make sure that we have salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to make sure that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Remember when we talk about uh, the whole world following after the beast, it says all will worship him except for those whose names are found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we need to have an understanding of how to get our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you're not sure how to do that, we have a free brochure that you can uh, read and, and understand this better. It's called, What Do You Mean Born Again? Now you can see that at endtime.com. You just go in and uh, put endtime.com slash reborn. And that'll bring the document up. You can read it for yourself. 
or we also give that to you free. So if you would like to uh, send us an email, I can send you a link through an email, or if you would like to contact our operators here in our customer service, our customer service ladies would be happy to, to get you one mailed out to you. Again, that's called What Do You Mean Born Again? It explains the steps of salvation. It explains what it means to be born again and to have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So if you're not sure, you need to check that out. When we come back, we'll jump into some more video and we'll begin to uh, look at the scriptures about the timing of the rapture. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Okay, welcome back to End of the Age. I'm glad you're with me today. Uh, like I said at the beginning, this is uh, not anything that we want to uh, cause contention between believers about. We know other people have different positions on this, and it is not a salvation issue. But it is important that we understand what Scripture says about it. So I hope if you're listening today, if you're watching today, that you would just watch it with an open mind, with an open heart, and receive the information uh, and, and just study on it and see what you think. So... Uh, we're going to look at, there's three different positions on the timing of the rapture. And so we're going to look at this second video now and see what Pastor Baxter has to say. There are three positions normally held by different people concerning the timing of the rapture. Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. 
These positions are based on a final seven-year time period called Daniel's 70th week. The pre-tribulationists believe Jesus will rapture his church prior to the beginning of the seven years of great tribulation. Mid-tribulationists believe the rapture will occur halfway through the final seven years. Post-tribulationists believe the church will remain on the earth throughout the final seven years. They believe the church will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air as he comes to earth to fight for Israel during the battle of Armageddon. The first thing we want to establish is that there is no such thing as a seven-year tribulation. There is not one scripture in the entire Bible that teaches a seven-year tribulation. Not one. There are at least six scriptures that tell us the great tribulation will last for three and one half years. These include Daniel 7.25, where the scripture says the Antichrist will make war against the saints for time, times, and half a time. A time is one year, times is two years, and half a time is half of a year. This equals three and one half years. We know this for sure because Revelation 13, 5 through 7 says the beast, the Antichrist, will have power to continue 42 months, which is three and one half years, during which time he will make war against the saints. Revelation 12, 13 through 14 states Satan will make war against the woman with 12 stars, Israel, for a time and times and half a time, three and a half years. Daniel 12, 1 foretells a time of trouble such as never was before on the face of the earth. Then in verse 7, we are told this time of trouble will be for a time and times and half, three and a half years. In Matthew 24, 15 through 21, Jesus said the great tribulation would begin at the time of the abomination of desolation, which Daniel 9, 27 says takes place in the middle of the final seven years. This teaches us that the great tribulation will continue throughout the last three and one half years of the final seven years. Daniel 12.11 and Revelation 12.6 also confirms the great tribulation will be three and one half years. The above scriptures illustrate there is no such position as a mid-tribulation rapture. Since the great tribulation will last for three and one half years, the rapture will either happen before the final three and one half years or after the three and one half years. Which is it? The main point of this is that the tribulation is not seven years. It's only three and a half years. So we, if we understand this, it removes one of the positions immediately. It, it removes the mid-tribulation completely out of the picture. It takes it away. So the rapture either occurs at the beginning of the tribulation or immediately after the tribulation. So mid-trib is gone. Okay, so if you're a mid-trib, I'm sorry, that one's been removed. You're either going to be pre now or you're going to be post. So let's move on to the third video and look at the number one proof.
Now we're going to look at some proofs of a post-tribulation rapture. Proof number one, the rapture will be immediately after the tribulation. In Matthew 24, the Bible's most famous prophecy chapter, the disciples of Jesus asked him, what would be the sign of his coming and of the end of the age? Here's the exact quote in Matthew 24, 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? After giving many events that would lead up to his second coming, Jesus explicitly answered his disciples' question in Matthew 24, 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Here Jesus specifically says his second coming will take place immediately after the tribulation. Coming from the mouth of Jesus himself, this teaching appears to be conclusive and irrefutable. End of discussion. However, those who deny the post-tribulation rapture argue that there will be two raptures. They say there will be a rapture before the tribulation and then another rapture that Jesus referred to after the tribulation. Okay, so here we see, like Pastor Baxter was saying, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars will fall from the heavens, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Okay, and then we'll see the sign of the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He sends his angels together as elect. I want to read you and just share this with you. This is from Revelation chapter 6, and this is an account of the second coming. So I want you to see what's happening here. And it says in verse 12 of Revelation 6, And I beheld, and when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Okay, the earth was shaken. And the sun became black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth. So this is the same account that Matthew 24, 29 through 31 tells us. It happens at the second coming. The exact same thing is going on. The sun's darkened, the moon's not giving us light, the stars fall from the heavens, and there's a great shaking. Okay, So keep that in mind as we move on. Remember he said that there, uh, some people believe that there's two uh, resurrections, but there's only one. So let's look at what he has to say in this next video. This argument creates a direct conflict with the scriptures since the Bible explicitly states the resurrection that will occur at the end of the tribulation will be the first resurrection. Let's go to the passage in Revelation 20, verse 4 through 5. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. 
And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection. This passage clearly states those who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and did not worship the beast and did not receive his mark in their hands or in their foreheads, when they were resurrected, this is the first resurrection. Obviously, if this is the first resurrection, there wasn't a resurrection seven years earlier as the pre-tribulation teaching contends. If there had been a rapture seven years before, this resurrection would have to be the second resurrection. But the Bible clearly says this is the first resurrection. Okay, so the first resurrection, the next resurrection won't happen until after the thousand years has ended. After the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, there will be another resurrection there. But this is the first resurrection. There's no resurrection before this. The interesting thing about this is that the people who had not taken the mark and had been slain because they wouldn't take the mark, these people are part of this first resurrection. So notice that it includes those who denied the mark of the beast. That means that the resurrection, the first resurrection, didn't happen until after the mark had been given out. Well, this proves without a shadow of a doubt that the rapture happens or the resurrection happens after the tribulation period because we know the mark isn't given out until after the tribulation begins. How do we know that? Because Revelation 13 tells us that. In Revelation 13, we see the one world beast. We see the Antichrist. He's making war against the saints. We see the false prophet revealed. The false prophet causes all to worship the beast, the Antichrist, and his image, and to take his mark. Revelation 13, 16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and the number is six hundred, three score, and six, 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 six. So the first resurrection, it will not just include people that uh, lost their head because they wouldn't take the mark, but it also includes the Old Testament saints as well as the New Testament saints. Let me show you how we know this. Revelation eleven fifteen says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. So this is all happening at the seventh trumpet. And that thou should giveth reward unto your servants, the prophets, the Old Testament saints, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which 
destroy the earth. So this is going to include the Old Testament saints as well as the New Testament saints. So what is our reward? Well, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 tells us, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that last thing I read, he made us kings and priests unto God. Remember, Revelation 20 verse 6 says this about the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. On such the second death had no power, and they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him for a thousand years. So that's exactly what Revelation chapter 1 tells us, that because we're washed in the blood of the Lamb and our sins have been forgiven, we are priests and kings along with Christ. It's the same thing that it tells us about the first resurrection. There can be no resurrection before this. So that's a very good proof, and and I hope everybody can kind of wrap their minds around that. It's a lot of information to understand, but it's so clear in Scripture when you look at it and you break it down that way. Proof number two tells us that the rapture occurs after the Antichrist is revealed in the early church. Some had begun to teach that the rapture was imminent. And the apostle Paul wrote to correct this teaching. He said in First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, in Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, he said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So the coming of the Lord Jesus and our being gathered unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above everything that's called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The subject Paul's addressing here is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. He was clearly teaching on the timing of the rapture. Paul emphasized that the rapture would not happen until the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed. This totally disproves a pre-tribulation rapture. It's showing us that the Antichrist is going to come, the tribulation is going to come, and then Jesus is returning for us. We'll come back after the break and we'll jump back into our study. Stay with us. Thank you. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. 
It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell. Uh, If you weren't with me at the top of the hour, I'm by myself again today. Vince is still not feeling well, but he's getting better, so please keep your prayers coming. Uh, We're going through the final uh, lesson in our unveiling of Jesus Christ, the Revelation package that was uh, Pastor Baxter's last work. And uh, we're on the very last lesson of that, Volume 2, And it is on the timing of the rapture. So we're going to jump right back into it because I've got a lot to cover and I don't have a lot of time. So proof number three, the rapture happens in Revelation chapter 19. So this is another proof of this. And you'll understand as I unravel this. So promoters of pre-tribulation theory contend that the rapture happens in Revelation 4.1. Uh, They also teach that the book of Revelation is not in chronological order. But yet we go to Revelation 19, 7 through 11, and the rapture has not yet happened. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife had made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints." And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou doest not. I am a fellow servant and and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he does judge and make war. So in verse 7, we're told that the time of the marriage of the Lamb has arrived. In verse 9, those are called, that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, they're pronounced blessed. And then heaven opens up, and we see Jesus appear to rapture his bride and conduct the marriage supper of the Lamb. After the marriage supper, Jesus descends from heaven with his bride to fight in the battle of Armageddon and to establish his kingdom upon the earth. This is recorded in Revelation 19, 14 through 21. The Bible could not be clearer as Jesus descends to fight the battle of Armageddon. 
His bride will be raptured to meet him in the sky, and after the marriage supper in the sky, his bride will then accompany him to the fight at the battle of Armageddon and to crown him king of kings and lord of lords. So what I was saying before is a lot of people say uh, Revelation 4.1 is the rapture of the church. We talked about that the other day when we were talking about the chronological order of the Bible and actually that it's not written in chronological order. So we talked about uh, Revelation 4.1 was John being called up so that he could be given the vision of the things that must be hereafter. But all the way into Revelation 19, we see the church being raptured here. Now, the rapture is told over and over throughout the Bible. We talked about that the other day, too. The sixth and seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial, and the two harvests. So we're going to get into that a little bit here in a moment. But first, let's look at uh, the rapture occurring at the seventh trumpet in our next video. Proof number four. The rapture will occur at the last Trump. The Apostle Paul graphically described the rapture in two different places. The first is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul explains at the second coming of Christ, the dead in Christ will be raised from the dead first. And then the saved who remain alive on earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54, the Apostle Paul gives us additional information about the rapture. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Paul tells us the dead in Christ will be raised with immortal bodies. Then he explains those alive in Christ will be changed from mortal beings to immortal beings in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He also tells us when the rapture will take place. He said in verse 52 that the rapture will happen at the last trump. When is the last trump? Okay, so when is the last trump? The seventh trumpet is the last trump. Let's see what happens in the last trump. 
It's found in Revelation 11, 15 through 18. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. So Jesus is establishing His kingdom as the seventh angel sounds His trumpet. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to Thee, uh, O God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because Thou hast taken to Thee Thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and Thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that they should get... Give shouldest be given reward unto the servants, the prophets, and the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. At the seventh trumpet, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. Also, at this time, the wrath of God is unleashed. So, just like I told you before, from uh, Matthew 24, 29 through 31, and Revelation 6, talking about the same event. One is explaining the wrath of Jesus. The other is explaining the rapture of the church. So the wrath of God is unleashed, which happens during the battle of Armageddon. Then the seven trumpets, the reward will be given to the prophets and saints. And all these things will happen at the time of the rapture, which will occur at the second coming of Jesus to the earth. Um, Okay, let's move quickly now uh, into the next video. Proof number five. Now we look at the two simultaneous harvests. Jesus gave the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. He told of a man that sowed good seed in his field. While he slept, an enemy came sowing tares among the wheat. When the crop came up, the servants of the man realized what had happened. They asked the owner if they should go into the field, pulling the tares from among the wheat. The owner replied, no, you will uproot the wheat while trying to pull up the tares. Let both grow up until the harvest. Then we will reap both the tares and wheat at the same time. We will then put the wheat into the barn and will burn up the tares. After the multitude had departed, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus to explain to them the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus did this in Matthew 13, 37 through 43. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Jesus explained the tares were the sons of the wicked one and the wheat were the sons of the kingdom. He said the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. He said at the end of the age, the wicked would be cast into a furnace of fire and the righteous would shine forth in the kingdom of their father. This parable clearly paints a picture of two simultaneous harvests, the harvest of the wheat and the harvest of the tares. Both will be harvested together at the same time. Another important passage in Revelation 14, 14 through 20 portrays the same truth of the two simultaneous harvests. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. The first harvest in verses 14 through 16 describes the rapture of the church. Immediately thereafter, verses 17 through 20, describe the judgment of the wicked at the battle of Armageddon. Those in the second harvest are described as the vine of the earth, who will be cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Those will be trodden down outside the city of Jerusalem, where the battle of Armageddon will culminate. Once again, we see two simultaneous harvests, the harvest of the wheat and the harvest of the tares. Both of these harvests happen at the time of Armageddon. Okay, so we see the simultaneous harvest there are the fifth proof. We'll come back after this break with more great information about the timing of the rapture. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to the final segment here of End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell and we're uncovering the uh, scriptures that talk about the timing of the rapture of the church. So we just looked at proof number five, the two harvests before we went to break. Now we're on proof number six. This is the last minute warning. And in Revelation 16, this is in the vials. Uh, Revelation 16, 12 through 16 describes uh, the lead up to the battle of Armageddon. When the sixth vial is poured out, the Euphrates River will be dried up to facilitate the invasion of Israel by the kings of the east. Uh, the three unclean spirits like frogs came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are the spirits of devils working miracles to gather the kings of the earth to battle for the great day of God Almighty. Then comes this last minute warning. The rapture of, it's a warning of the rapture in Revelation 16, 15 through 16. Behold, I come as a thief. This is Jesus talking right in the middle of these scriptures. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Notice this last minute warning is urging us to watch and to keep our garments in preparation of the rapture. This warning is given right before the battle of Armageddon. So it's not seven years before, it's right before the battle of Armageddon that Jesus gives this alert to everybody. And what garments is he talking about and what are we supposed to be watching for? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, we have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. It's what we're looking for, the day of the Lord, but it comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. In the end time, the Lord is going to come like a thief. That's what we're watching for. And uh, those who are not watching, this is going to take them unaware. They're going to be unprepared for the return of Jesus Christ. That's why when we see the return of Jesus Christ happen in Scripture, there's great mourning and sorrow because people realize they've missed their opportunity. They missed their chance. So, however, Paul also taught that this wouldn't apply to everyone, that there would be people that the day wouldn't take them like a thief. So, continuing on, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, and let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep at night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. 
God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's First Thessalonians 5, 4, 3, 2, 9. So Paul is telling us here that we've got to put on the armor of God. That's what he's talking about. So keeping our clothes with us so that we don't go shamefully exposed, we're supposed to look for the day of the Lord and be armed with the armor of God. The Apostle Paul explains there will be those who will be watching and have certain garments, this breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. They'll not suffer the wrath of God. So in Ephesians 6, Paul provides a detailed description of the whole armor of God are the spiritual garments that we should be wearing to protect us in the day of wrath. So wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand that evil day. Okay, the time of the Antichrist, that evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins gort about you with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with preparedness of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's Ephesians six, thirteen through 17. Now, these spiritual garments are spiritual attributes used by Christians to resist and combat our spiritual enemy, demonic spirits. You know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against uh, principalities, against powers and rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness and high places. So this is how we are to protect ourselves in these last days. We've got our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we keep these garments on, these spiritual garments. And if you notice, they're warrior garments, the breastplate, the shield, the helmet, the sword. These are the ways to fight against the enemy. But it tells us we're not fighting a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. We may look frail and small to the enemy when we're just trying to combat him by ourselves, But when we're fighting him with the full armor of God, we are rigged up to be a warrior of God and we're dressed for the purpose of war. So just remember that. That's how we're going to get through this is by staying in God's will and keeping these um, articles of, of spiritual clothing on. Okay, so proof number seven. This is the two witnesses are prophesying during the Great Tribulation. It's very important that we understand this next little segment here because a lot of people say that the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out in the rapture. Those that believe in a pre-trib rapture believe that this happens before the tribulation, but yet these two witnesses are doing their ministry during that time. So how do they operate without the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit has to be here because the rapture hasn't happened yet. Revelation 11 3 through 11 records the ministries of the two witnesses who will prophesy during the three and one half years of the Great Tribulation. Their ministry will end at the seventh trumpet uh, when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom. These two witnesses will be the two greatest preachers since the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. They'll be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, even turning water into blood, And at the end of their ministry, they're going to be killed by the Antichrist and they'll lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. But at the end of those three and a half days, they'll rise up from the dead and they will ascend into heaven. 
So see, those that advocate a, a pre-tribulation theory, they claim the Holy Ghost isn't here. But clearly the Holy Ghost is with these two men because that's how they're operating. Not only that, but they're resurrected and they're caught up into heaven. Romans 8.11 teaches us a very important uh, bit of information here. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So how are we quickened? Remember that the Bible says that the dead in Christ rise first and then we who are alive and left will be changed. Okay, that's a quickening. We're changed from our physical bodies to a spiritual body. And that's what this is talking about. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, then that same spirit is what causes your mortal body to be quickened at the rapture. So these two witnesses and the church will be on the earth during the great tribulation and will be filled with the Holy Ghost. These two witnesses will be caught up into the air. They'll be raptured at the seventh trumpet. And then the church will also be raptured at that time. That's when it is declared the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. Remember from Revelation eleven fifteen. Okay, so moving on to proof number eight. The seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial. This is when we see the rapture happen. We're going to look at this a little bit. The sixth uh, seal records in Revelation 6.14, And the heavens departed as a scroll, when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This is a describing when the heavens will open and Jesus is going to appear, when the heavens recede like a scroll. Notice there it says every mountain and island were removed from their places. Uh, Revelation chapter 8, 1 describes the seventh seal. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of a half hour. This describes the silence in heaven as all of heaven watching the church being raptured to meet Jesus in the air. The last description of the seventh seal. Revelation 8, 5. And the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, thunderings, lightnings and earthquakes. We also see this in the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial. This provides absolute proof that the seventh seal, seventh trumpet and the seventh vial are that same event. The seventh trumpet is described in Revelation eleven fifteen, uh, And the angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kings of this world have become the kings of our Lord and his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. And then verse 19 concludes with the account that the seventh trumpet with declaration as the temple of God was opened in heaven and there were seen the ark of the testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunders and earthquake and great hell. The seventh vial is Revelation 16, 17, we're told, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. The words, of the, seven, uh, the words in verse 17 are so ominous and so final, it is done. The same declaration contained in the seventh seal and seventh trumpet is repeated one more time in Revelation 16, 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and a great earthquake such as was not since uh, men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. This illustrates conclusively that the rapture is described in the seventh seal, 
the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial. This is also, it allows us to understand the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order from front to back. The seals are the long story ending in the second coming. The trumpets are the shorter story ending in the second uh, coming. And the vials are the real short story ending with the second coming. So I'm going to close today here. We're going to look at a video in a minute. But before we get there, I just want you to understand that like we started the show out telling you, this is not a salvation issue. But it is an issue that everybody needs to be prepared and be ready for the second coming of the Lord. We need to be prepared and ready to meet the Lord in the air because that is our great reward. And so um, having said that, like I, I said, this was... Pastor Baxter's last work that he was able to complete before he passed away. And so I'm just going to leave you with this last video clip today. And um, then we'll, we'll close the program. As we conclude this study of the book of Revelation, the confirmation of the covenant and the beginning of the final seven years appear to be just ahead. I trust that Revelation the unveiling of Jesus Christ will prepare you for the critical and exciting role the people of God must fulfill here at the end of the age. Don't forget the theme of Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one and two is, Behold, He cometh. God bless you all. I'll see you in the rapture. Okay. You'll see us in the rapture. If you're interested in in seeing more of these videos, again, just go to endtime.com or call our 1-800-END-TIME number and you can get fixed up with this. You can also see it on End of the Age Plus. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I will see you tomorrow on Open Line Friday. Have a blessed day. Love you and see you tomorrow. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.